Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Now time for me to share what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay abstinent today. And it tells me that I'm supposed to tell you that I am com- Karen and I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm supposed to <clears throat> excuse me, remind you of that for the recording. And now I'm going to take a sip of water because I'm already starting to cough. It's funny. I, I, I just passed the 36th anniversary of the first time I walked into a meeting on January 29th, 1986 was the first time I ever walked through the door. And for those of you who know the West LA area, uh, I walked into the Palms Park meeting in West LA. And three days before that, that Sunday, I came to the realization that I could not stop eating. I had been eating all day long, which was my norm. Um, I, uh, uh, one of the analogies that I give or examples that I give is uh, I'm a big football fan. And uh, back in the old days, it would just be two games in a day, the double feature. I call it the double feature. And um, I'd be watching a game and going, you know, from my sofa to the fridge, the sofa to the fridge, the sofa to the fridge. And um, I'd be watching halftime of a game. And then suddenly it was the second quarter because I ate so much that I passed out. I didn't call it passed out then. I called it... um, I'm tired and I've worked so hard and I'm just sleepy. I didn't want to admit that I was eating so much that I would simply pass out. Um, I used to drive between my, my high school and, um, and my house and I'd stop off at the 7-Eleven along the way. Uh, the 7-Eleven is, you know, like a little variety, little store that has a little bit of everything. For those of you who don't know 7-Eleven and I'd walk up and down the candy aisle and I'd steal a bunch of stuff, candy, or I'd buy a bunch of stuff or steal and buy, you know, do a combination, go home, lay down on my bed, close my bedroom door and just eat, 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 eat. When I was very young, <clears throat> I, I, I used to, when the good stuff came home from, uh, from the grocery store, the box would be open immediately and uh, stuff disappeared in a hurry in my house. We all we all liked our sweet stuff when we liked it. So I used to take the little individually wrapped packaged things and hide them in the pantry on the top shelf behind the cat food or whatever it was, because I was taller than all my siblings. And I did that because when I needed my sweet fix, I needed my sweet fix. Um, it's just the way it was. I, I want to just show some pictures. I think I can do this without messing it up too badly. Let's see. So just, I found that um, when, I, when I got into the fellowship and I would see people looking relatively normal, and I don't know if I look relatively normal, but I found that I related better to pictures than to anything. So this, uh, the, the little baby picture, I looked at that picture for years before I realized that in my left hand, I'm holding a Twinkie. Um, yeah, 
There, I don't know if that if you can see that better. Uh, this picture here to the right of that, I think, is my 10th grade picture. You can see that not only is there not much of a smile, but there's no life in my eyes. I have dead eyes. Same with this bottom picture on my right. I don't know which side it's showing for you. The picture on the bottom left is my siblings. Uh, I'm the one with the uh, with my arms on my, my hands on my hips, looking relatively normal, I think. I was probably about eight years old in that picture. Um, again, I think I look relatively normal. So then we go to, let's fast forward a little bit. This is now I'm in college. And uh, this is, I went, to, I went to school in London for a year. The top picture, I'm uh, on the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And I have it on good authority that I did not make the tower lean any more than it already was. Uh, and you can see um, both these pictures. Um, not, not such a small kid. Now, I'd been in program here. This was 1994, so I'd been in program for a while. I'd been abstaining for a while. And I think I'm at a relatively normal weight there. And those two beautiful boys are my two beautiful nephews, um, looking relatively reasonable. Um, oh, gosh, can I get to this other one? Let's see. Yeah, I have to. I don't. Uh, okay. So I can't get to the fourth one. Let me just do this. Um, I uh, relapsed after I'd been abstaining for uh, 12 and a half years. And this is me nine years into my 10-year relapse. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know much about my, about my weight. I know a little bit, but not that much. Because as I said, I came into OA not to lose weight. I had decided at a very early age that I didn't stand a chance in hell at losing any weight anyway. So why even bother thinking about it? My problem was I ate to the point where I was so full, I had to unbutton the top button and then unzip my pants and then maybe take them off and wear sweatpants or loose shorts or just, you know, a t-shirt and underwear or my jammy bottoms because I by myself didn't matter. <clears throat> so when I came into uh, a meeting, I, uh, my first meeting, I, in fact, I don't think, well, some of you that I met, here's what I love about this meeting. Some of you who I'm looking at now, and God love you for being here, I knew from my very first year in the program and my second year and my third year and so on. And I think many of you know who you are and thank God you're all here because I was a little bit nervous about sharing tonight. Um, I don't know why. Well, sure. Six minutes. Thank you, hon. Um, I know exactly why I was nervous because I was afraid I'm, I wasn't going to say anything. That I, I thought you'd all judge me because I'm still carrying extra weight and whatever, whatever, whatever. I've talked about it with a few people and realized that, you know, before I share at a meeting, I get quiet, I take a few deep breaths, I say the serenity prayer, I ask God to remove me and ask me or, and say what needs to be said through me to be of service to him and the people in the room or on Zoom. So I take no responsibility for this being good or bad. <laughs> How's that for getting out from blame, huh? Anyway, so... Um, I, I heard about this thing called abstinence, and I didn't know what it was. And back then, we didn't have any tool called a food plan. We just called it abstinence. And I heard people saying, I don't eat. I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no white flour, no this, no that. No. And I remember thinking, gosh, if I could make those decisions myself, I wouldn't need to be here. So with a sponsor, um, I came, I mean, my, my first abstinence was three meals a day, nothing in between, anything I want. And I had 
breakfasts and I had lunches and I had dinners and I would plan to have a candy bar with my lunch or whatever dessert with my dinner. The difference for me though, was I had a breakfast and it stopped. And then I had a lunch and I stopped and I had a dinner and I stopped. And that was astonishing to me. I never stopped ever. Um, And I can remember um, at lunchtime, consciously telling myself, I have to eat enough to hold me till dinner because I thought I wasn't going to survive. I didn't think I'd make it to dinner. But here's what happened. I started giving service early. I was at, at the Palms Park meeting. We had elections and there was this position called delegate. Some people call it in a group rep. And it was a six month position. So I only had to do six things, go to six delegates meetings. And I thought, heck, I can do that. So I did. And I became a part of the intergroup. I got on the intergroup board. I did region service. I got on the region board. I did world service. What all this did for me is it, is it gave me a place to belong. I remember hearing people saying things and doing things with food that I did my whole life. And I had no idea. And I remember thinking, my God, all these years, all my life, people are doing things that I've been doing. I, I'm, not, I'm not a freak. I'm not, I, 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 it's okay that I'm alive. It's not that I should be dead. I, I just, I, I'm not weak-willed. I don't have a bad character. I've had some bad problems and I still do, but it's this disease of compulsive overeating. I threw myself into the spiritual and emotional aspect of the recovery. For me to focus on the physical aspect of the recovery just doesn't work for me. If I start focusing on, okay, what should I eat to lose weight and, and doing those kinds of things, I, I, I bust out all over. I try. But what I found is as I worked the steps, talked with a sponsor, talked to other people, going to a lot of meetings, my food began to clear up all by itself. I did nothing to make my food clear up. God did it for me. It's astonishing to me. After I'd been abstaining for about a year and two months, I I got a message in my head that said, start asking for the willingness to give up sugar. And in my morning prayers, I started asking for the willingness to give up sugar. A few days later, it was a Thursday or Friday, I thought, my gosh, I didn't have dessert. I didn't even want it. I didn't even think about it. So that's kind of how that worked for me. Doesn't work that way for everybody, but that's how it worked for me. So I was abstaining for about 12 and a half years. Uh, Then, and many of you know this, in 1998, my youngest brother was uh, murdered by his wife and the guy she was having an affair with. And that set me off into a 10-year relapse. I didn't stop coming to meetings. I didn't walk away from the fellowship. I just couldn't stop eating. I never left. Thank you, God, I never left. I had nowhere else to go anyway. But many of you who I'm looking at right now supported me, loved me, listened to me. I'm getting goosebumps, hugged me. Nobody judged me. Nobody told me, get out until you can abstain again. You're too fat. You don't belong here. I never got that from anybody. Thank you, God. I'm getting more goosebumps. Jeez. I'm so grateful for that because if somebody had told me, you're not doing it right, get out of here, I could be dead by now. I don't know. So 10 years later, uh, on the, just the night before the birthday party that year, in fact, in 2008, the only year that I remember in recent times, the birthday party was in February instead of January. Um, I had a conversation with somebody who's at this meeting 
the night before and I started crying and talking about stuff. And uh, I asked her if she'd sponsor me and she said, well, let's talk about it tomorrow. And she's been sponsoring me ever since. Um, we, um, we are email sponsors or she is an email sponsor. We talk occasionally, not regularly, but every night before I go to bed, I send her an email and I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, what I'll, what I'll say is since that date, so that's almost 14 years ago, February 22nd, it's 14 years. I do have to say in that 14 years, I ate pizza once several years ago. I ate pizza and stopped. Bam. That was it. So many months ago, I ate a cinnamon scone. I ate sugar. Stopped. I had a conversation about it with my other sponsor. I have two. Uh, a second, and, and six the, minute warning. Thank you. And our the, the agreement was, yes, you can say how long you're absent, but yes, you have to qualify that you had those two little detours, little slips, little whatevers. I don't believe in starting over after one bit of coloring outside the lines, I call it. It's that old analogy of if I'm in a car from Los Angeles on my way to New York and I make a wrong turn in Chicago, I don't come all the way back to Los Angeles again and start over. I turn my car around and I point it in the right direction. Having a slip or a bad food choice or coloring outside the lines, whatever you want to call it, a one-time thing for me, I don't think it's great. I don't love it. I'm not happy about it. But it's not, it's not 30 days of compulsive eating. That's a relapse. That's a bit. I mean, that's for me, that, that's just me. Again, I know that there are a lot of people who don't agree with me. That's fine. There are about as many different ways to work the program as there are people in the fellowship. And that's just fine. Um, okay, what do I do now? Let's see, what am I missing? Oh, God, I haven't even talked about God yet. Briefly, when I got into OA, my relationship with God was, God, if I do this, then you'll do that. If I do something good, you'll reward me. If I do something bad, you'll punish me. I didn't have a good working relationship or even a concept of God. I knew there was something. But I learned in the second step of the AA 12 Steps and 12 Traditions that I can use the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous as my higher power. And that's what I did. I would sit in meetings and look around the room and think, my God, here's a room full of people that are in various stages of recovery from this disease. And I believe, I truly believe that anybody who is at a meeting is in some stage of recovery. Whether you binged before or binged after, we are just by being at a meeting, you're in some stage of recovery. And I recognize that that room full of people or this Zoom full of people is certainly a power greater than myself. So I would turn my will in my life over the care of the fellowship of Overeaters Three minutes Anonymous. left. Thank you, love. Um, so that's where my, my God thing came from. So here's why I stay abstinent today. How and why. Here's how, and I guess some why I'll come in. In the morning, I have, I have, I do a, I have a morning ritual, a morning routine. I didn't used to pray on my knees, then I did, then I didn't, and now I did. In my religion, we don't pray on our knees, but I heard somebody say, when I'm on my knees, I humble myself before God. So I'm back on my knees again. Um, I have a, a list of, of qualities or characteristics that I would like to see in my higher power, and I have one for each day of the month, and I read that. That's something that my, my step sponsor 
that's my second sponsor. I'm looking the steps with her. Um, I also read a couple of little things that she suggested to me, including saying, reading, uh, God, please help me to love myself the way you love me. And sometimes I love myself and sometimes I don't. Most, much of the time, I believe God loves me. Sometimes I'm afraid maybe he doesn't, but I think he does. Um, I also have two daily readers. I read the For Today book every year, every morning, and I rotate my second one. This year, I'm doing one that's not OA approved. Last year, I just finished uh, Voices of Recovery. I've been going to 7.30 meetings most weekday mornings. Then I take a call from a sponsee. I make a call for, to another fellow who's on this call, who I've been calling almost every weekday morning since I was in law school. So that's probably about 22 years, 20, oh my Lord, long time. Um, I also leave a phone message for my step sponsor every day and we talk once a week. Uh, every night before I go to bed, I send an email to my sponsor that lists everything I ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I talk about whatever issues might have come up that day or what happened that day. You know, sometimes it's just stuff and five things I'm grateful for. My first one is always abstinence. Why I stay abstinent is because before 1986, I didn't have friends. I didn't have relationships. I didn't have connections. I'm in a, I, I'm in a marriage with a woman I've been with for 20 years. <laughs> Astonishing. I, I love my life today. I have friends. I have a reason I have trust and faith in God. I can carry the message. Um, you know, uh, uh, Roseanne wrote uh, the book Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, which is how the I put my hand in your prayer ends. And, and it's the history of OA. Actually, it's a great book. Read it if you can, if you care. But uh, if I had sat down and written what I wanted my life to be at this stage in my life, I would have missed so much. Because I, I would never have believed the gifts that I have. When I get upset, when I get frustrated, when I get scared, I talk about it with somebody. I write about it. I'm working on an inventory now, doing stuff that's scaring the crap out of me. That's time. I'm embarrassed and ashamed to my own self as I write about it. But getting it out is making all the difference in the world. I, I wish all, I hope, I, I hope you all, um, I hope nothing. I wish you all a splendid rest of the evening, day, or morning, depending where you are. Thank you so much for listening. And I am done. Thank you.